Hi there, you're listening to Well Workplaces. I'm your host, Tom Bosner, and in this episode, I speak with the passionate and highly talented Rian Casey. Rian is a senior physiotherapist and leader in the wellbeing field. In this episode, he shares his journey from Ireland to Australia and his experience in treating people from all different backgrounds and lifestyles. He shares how he utilizes resistance training himself and with his clients to achieve great outcomes. He talks about the five must-haves in any resistance program and the benefits. He also shares a great analogy on that resistance training is the best anti-aging cream going around. Rian also talks about how in 2020, he's had to really utilize his soft skills more than ever and how resistance training and physical activity is a key part of being a great physiotherapist and how he's utilized telehealth as well to engage more people in what he does as a physio. Welcome to the Well Workplaces podcast, where we chat with health and wellbeing leaders that create ripples of positive change in the workplace. I'm your host, Tom Bosner, and today I'm pleased to be chatting with Rian Casey. Rian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. Absolute pleasure, mate. Super keen today to talk about physical well-being. You're a physio, of course, and um, one of the big things we talk about, and also so that our listeners know, I do know Rian because Rian works as a colleague of mine at Pinnacle Health Group. But one of the things Rian and I talk a lot about is physical well-being and how important that is to the overall well-being picture. One of the things that I ended up talking about a lot with Rayan and others at Pinnacle over our time is the issue of physical inactivity. And just to shape this conversation, physical inactivity is actually increasing globally and it's resulting in a lot of chronic diseases and conditions such as type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, depression, stroke, dementia, and some forms of cancer. And Rayan, before our chat, I researched this a little bit and basically nearly a quarter of adults are actually physically inactive and uh, it's cra- a bit of a crazy thought really because it is something that we can actually do something about and we all know the benefits of being physically active and training but it turns out that a quarter of adults actually aren't. I thought I'd just mention that because that'll give some some shape to our conversation today and Rian we'll talk about your role as a physio, what you do, what you're passionate about and we'll probably get into some training methods as well and, and some recommendations from you around what your thoughts are on in particular getting into strength training and I'll probably ask you a little bit around the workplace as well but before we get into that mate I'd love to hear from you what it is you're passionate about in the physical well-being space and and also what it is you do as well yeah absolutely first of all congratulations Tom and and obviously Josh as well on getting the the podcast up and running it's been really really enjoyable to listen so far and I'm really excited to see what you guys are going to produce in in the coming weeks and months. But yeah, I suppose a little bit about myself and my own background. I'm, as you mentioned, I'm a physiotherapist. In case the accent wasn't a complete giveaway, I am Irish and um, I'm working as a senior physiotherapist here in Melbourne for Pinnacle Health Group with you guys. And I think on a lot of the points that you just mentioned there, I think there is a movement in healthcare in recent years towards healthcare being a little bit more proactive as opposed to being reactive. So rather than waiting for an issue or an injury to develop or a disease to develop, 
we tend to try to visit our healthcare professionals now, or certainly that's what we're going for, and that we're visiting our healthcare professionals a little bit earlier to introduce measures to counteract or reduce the risks of all of the, the various different ailments and, and diseases that you mentioned. So with that being the case, I think I did at the start of, uh, I guess, this conversation say I'm a physiotherapist, but mm. I've shifted my thinking towards being a little bit more, I define it myself as a facilitator of well-being by means of physical activity promotion. And a lot of physios might necessarily like me saying that because we do a lot more than just facilitate physical activity. But I think in terms of the patient management spectrum, that's where I feel myself I can probably offer the most value and where my perhaps areas of expertise lie. And yeah, so for that reason, I guess I've slightly shifted my thinking in how I define my role. I guess in terms of how I developed a passion for physical activity promotion very early on in my career, and even if I go back as far as university, I know it's a long time ago now, but I remember sitting in, sitting in a lecture, and I, I couldn't tell you what exact lecture it was. It might have been rehab science or, or something along those lines. And, and I remember chatting to, he was actually my housemate at the time, but also a, a, a physio. Mm. He said to me, we were talking about various different injuries, and it kept coming up on the slides, how strengthen this. And he said to me, it seems that you just strengthen something and it gets better. And he goes, am I missing something here? Or do we just, should we just be strengthening things? And, and I looked at him and I said, do you know what? That's what exactly what I was thinking when, uh, when we were looking yeah. at these slides. And then following that, I guess, from, from post-university, I, I started my career and I was lucky enough to start my career working with some really good strength and conditioning coaches. And the two professions, both physiotherapy and strength and conditioning, marry really well, I feel. And there I learned a lot more about strength training and resistance training and just exercise in general and exercise prescription. And, and I feel I was very lucky to gain that exposure early on in my career. And it's, it's provided a platform for me to further my learning and further my development uh, as a physio. And you've, you sound really passionate about the physical activity promotion and it's exactly why i wanted you on the show today because as you say physiotherapy for clients if you're booking in to see a physio sometimes the perception in the public is a physio is a really good um, massage therapist or a really good spinal therapist or a sports person or they just do sports therapy and, and i'm a physio um, for the, so everybody knows I'm also a physio by background and my initial interest in physio was because I was into sport as a kid and I probably wasn't smart enough to be a sports doctor, which was my other preferred thing, but I actually just loved physical activity and my sports were basketball and, and enjoying running as well. Ryan, just out of interest, mate, what do you do to keep fit now that because of all these things that you know about physical activity, what are your sports or interests for your leisure time? I'm probably the, the textbook definition of a jack of all trades, but master of none. I'll <laughs> throw my hat at absolutely everything. And over the years I've done, I've, I've tried several different sports and um, probably quite similar to yourself in that I've always been massively keen and massively interested in sport, but probably never possessed the genetic predisposition or the work ethic to go on and become an elite level athlete and that probably sparked my interest in 
getting involved in, in physio to some degree. And I think all of us, when we get into to something like physio, we all probably have in the back of our minds, or certainly a lot of us have in the back of our minds that we work with elite level athletes or work in sport to some degree. And I suppose, yeah, that was for me probably quite a, a real reason why I got into it. What I do now to look after my own physical health, I, I basically do a lot of resistance training. And, and resistance training really is, I guess, like strength training. Um, or a lot of people will know about things like weight training, like going to the gym, lifting weights. And then I do some running as well. So I try to do something on most days of the week yeah. um, to keep myself physically fit and active. And I feel like it has so many other benefits to my overall uh, well-being as well. So, yeah. That's where, where I'm at in terms of my yeah, health yeah, and well-being. Yeah. No, that's fantastic, mate. And I think going through what everybody has gone through in the world in the last six to seven months with um, the pandemic, and, and we've had other guests on the show that have talked about stress and mental health, certainly when we're chatting with those guys, often the advice is to be physically active to counteract you know, or to, to be a bit of an anecdote to, to mental health issues. And we are, at the start, I mentioned physical inactivity being a huge problem and creating a lot of other comorbidities or chronic diseases. The, the, I wonder if it does correlate with globally as well. There's mental, mental ill health is increasing, depression, anxiety, etc. So you go, you see those two macro trends happening. If everybody, if those 25% got a little bit more active, what would happen to the mental health side of things anyway i digress mate from a physio perspective now currently you know working for pinnacle health group and you've had a broad experience over your time with the current in the current climate what are the main problems people come to see for physio yeah absolutely i i think i'm probably lucky enough to work in a setting whereby i have quite a varied caseload so i probably see everything from your elite level well sub elite level athlete to your desk worker or office worker who sedentary office worker who spends most of the day be it either sitting or standing or essentially in the one position where whereby movement isn't really a really a priority or isn't really a part of their day and as a result i see a, a wide spectrum of presentations from back pain neck pain to post-operative care so it really it's, it's it's quite good and i feel quite lucky in that i can treat quite a broad range of, of issues and ailments but i guess in the last number of months as you talked about covid presenting a number of different challenges particularly here in melbourne where we've seems like we've been in lockdown for forever at this point but yeah i think the lack of incidental exercise so the movement to movement in between meetings, the, the walk with a colleague at lunch to grab a coffee, your commute to and from the office, with most of us working from home now, those little, for some people that might be an extra seven, 8,000 steps in their day, might even be more. And with that essentially now absent from our day, it's creating a whole host of issues in terms of, as you mentioned, things like back pain, neck pain, and obviously increasing things like increasing obesity levels, which of course can lead to several other comorbidities. So the longer this goes on, the more challenges it's going to present and further emphasizing the need for us as physios and as healthcare professionals to be really pushing and promoting physical activity as a lifestyle intervention or a lifestyle change. 
It's a really good point, mate. I worked from home at some points during this time and I actually looked at my just my step count as a basic measure of what how much movement I was doing. When I was working from home, I wasn't really moving that much at all. It was to the fridge. I really had to, I said to the fridge there, to the fridge and back in and out of my daughter's room where I was working on a makeshift computer setup or ergo setup and it was terrible. And so I basically just made myself come to work even on days when I, most of the time I didn't really need to come into the office. And the difference was about 10,000 steps plus plus or minus a 30-minute cycle both ways. So the actual difference between me coming in and me staying at home from a physical well-being perspective is was massive. And I think the other aspect there, Ryan, is the, like the nutrition side as well, just the convenience of being at home and perhaps being close to that the fridge and stocking up the fridge. You just I just felt like I was snacking a lot more. So they all go that all goes hand in hand, I, I think. Ryan, when those clients are coming in to see you now, and, and it's really great you're getting a broad spectrum of clients and you feel like a bit of a generalist in physio being able to treat the couch from the couch potato all the way through to the um, athlete and the elderly perhaps when those clients are coming in with sore necks and backs and any other ailments what are they really what do they expect from you as a physio we touched on this earlier yeah absolutely and i think it's 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 something that I'm probably, I'm probably gaining a little bit of a reputation for myself as being a anti-manual therapist. And, and I really don't, that's not really what I am. And sorry, it's just to, to answer your question in terms of expectation. Uh, a lot of patients, as we know, come in expecting a certain level of manual therapy. So manual therapy will encompass things like massage, trigger point therapy, soft tissue release techniques, dry needling, mobilization. So all of the things that I guess the general public will associate with um, with with seeing a physio or seeing a a osteopath or a chiropractor, and I joke about being being developing this reputation. Even there was last week I was sitting on the couch with Hannah, who's my partner, and she asked me to dig a tongue into her shoulder yes. and she said to me I know you don't like manual therapy and and I'm like I, I don't not like manual therapy it's <laughs> yeah. I think there's a couple of physios in the UK who are Adam Meekins and Ben Cormack and they talk about manual therapy being almost like the icing on the cake yep. not being the main event so we as physios can offer so much more than purely the the, the manual therapy um, aspect of it but it is it certainly does definitely make up a proportion of our practice and and I think it can definitely be used to break down barriers or to develop that therapeutic alliance or to develop rapport with a patient mm. um, or a client and allow us as physios to get into more of the nuts and bolts of what we do being pain education being as I mentioned resistance exercise or strength training and using as I say the the expectation that the patient has to deliver what we feel is our most uh, valuable valuable tool or valuable string to our bow yeah mate i think you i don't think you have a reputation for being anti-manual therapy i think it's probably more that your personal brand on the likes of linkedin and instagram and whatnot and it's coming across as being quite well-rounded so i, I don't i wouldn't discount yourself there i think in terms of my experience of being a physio as well in terms of manual 
therapy. I remember working in the suburbs when I first started as a new grad down in Torquay. And I hope my ex-boss does not listen to this at all. But one of the patients came in and they wanted me to do traction on lower back. And there was this, it was this big truck, truck driver guy. And I basically didn't know how to use the machine because, and I know I was taught that at uni, but I thought I'm never going to have to do traction, especially on a big, like 120 kilo truck driver. And so anyway, I fumbled around with this machine and, and got it to work eventually. But I suppose in that context there, the client or the patient was coming in expecting traction. And if I did anything different, he probably would have walked out. And I generally, I obviously wanted to help the guy. And so anyway, we started with some traction, but it was surprising to me that he hadn't really thought much more about physiotherapy and what else we could offer. And so it ended up taking me on a journey with him down into exercise, basically. And because he was this particular patient, I I remember him really vividly. I reckon he would have been the first 50 patients I'd seen. I remember actually doing some good work with him, getting him moving. And it was simple as getting the the big man to walk a couple of Ks around the block. And that actually helped him as well. And so it was a process of, as you say, building that alliance with the patient using manual therapy. Although I don't know if you call traction, a traction table, manual therapy, or using whatever whatever tools you have to build a relationship. And then over time, you're introducing some evidence-based stuff into your program. And it leads me, Rain, into thinking more about if manual therapy is more about like building relationships, it does, it is helpful as well, especially if there is a general belief between the patient and the therapist that this will work. Of course, it's going to work. What do you, let's talk about strength training. So what actually works? Yeah, absolutely. And I think physio in general should be delivered as quite a multimodal approach. And I think strength training or or specifically resistance training, I think is probably one of the most valuable services or valuable tools in our toolkit, if you will. Mm. And I guess what we do as physios, generally speaking, can be defined as resistance training rather than strength training. Because I guess strength by definition is really the ability of a muscle to produce force or the ability of the ability to produce force and traditionally speaking it's been taught that in order to achieve increases in strength we need to expose a body part or expose a muscle to high amounts of loads big weights where i guess a really interesting development i guess relatively recently especially for physios has been that there's a researcher in the in America called Brad, Brad Schoenfeld. I hope I pronounced his name. They call him the doctor of hypertrophy. And, and he's basically suggested that we can achieve very similar increases in strength with lighter loads and, and no longer need to just use heavy loads. And I guess from a physio point of view, the reasons I find that to be really beneficial is because a lot of the time we are dealing with uh, individuals in pain or individuals who have certain fear avoidance behaviors or who will be anxious about certain like lifting heavy loads and if we can now with backing with evidence suggest say that well you actually can achieve improvements in 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 strength while lifting a a lighter load i think that's only a really beneficial thing for us as therapists to assist with our intervention with patients yeah it's a great point and i think 
also on the strength training or resistance training, as you put it, and potentially not needing your big bench press in your, in your house, maybe some lighter weights. It also adds for some really practical application of exercise at home, especially with potentially us working out a lot more by ourselves or in more remote settings as well. So it's really interesting. I'm not aware of that. That's why you're on the show, mate. We need to learn off you. And so to talk about then resistance training in a nutshell, is it really the ability to do using lighter weights for a certain number of repetitions and like, how would you describe the dose if we were to give a particular dosage? I know it's hard to give advice on a podcast, but if people are listening and they're thinking, you know what, I've had a fairly sloppy pandemic period. What can I do to, you know, get started and just maybe get started into some sort of exercise, but I've only really got 15 or 20 minutes to, to do something with. What would you recommend there, mate? Yeah, I think a really nice resource for people who want to get started. A lot of people have heard of the American College of Sports Medicine or the ACSM guidelines for exercise prescription. And, and they really publish updated guidelines roughly, I think it's once every year or so. And, and at the moment, basically what they're recommending for a general population or a general public is resistance exercise roughly around two to three times a week. Now, what seems to be more, what seems to be more, I suppose, important rather than a number of sets and repetitions seems to be the intensity. Okay. And it's when we're training or when we're exercising, we as physios will often talk about things like a RPE or a rate of perceived exertion, which is basically how hard we're working. And, and we talk about it on a scale of zero to 10, mm-hmm. zero being exertion levels where myself and yourself now are sitting here doing very little other than talking so we're not really exerting a whole lot of energy and 10 being you're completely out of breath can't talk heart rate is really high and in order to gain benefit from resistance exercise what seems to be the correct rpe scale or the correct rpe rate seems to be around that seven seven to eight eight mark on that scale so we do need to train at a reasonably high intensity in order to gain benefit from resistance exercise i like to keep it really simple when i'm recommending people start off and basically when it comes to exercise selection push something pull something mm-hmm. carry something squat and hinge so five really easy points and there are so many different progressions and regressions of even something as simple as body weight exercise and to be honest when you're getting started it really keeping it simple is the key and not going from zero to hero and making sure these you're creating sustainable habits as well as everything else really good mate so we're talking two or three times a week you said pushing pulling squatting hinging i've missed one is the other one carrying carrying forget oh, you know i like to i'll often like to make it as relatable as possible so mm. things like a farmer carry if you're walking around carrying a kettlebell you can you know marry it or, or or match it to carrying grocery bags or carrying your shopping to from the car squats right. for example how many times a day do we sit and stand up out of a chair yep. hinging is essentially just picking something up off the floor so making them really relatable to our day-to-day function or our day-to-day activities and it's just practicing being a human really i love it so you're talking functional movement there can you give me a couple of like so the push and then the pull kind of action what are what are some exercises or examples of push and pull 
Yeah, for sure. So your classic push is a push-up. And again, a push-up for a lot of people is a very difficult place to start. But there are really nice ways you can very easily progress a push-up. You can go as simple as a wall push-up. If you're very new to exercise by in a standing position, having your hands against the wall and, and doing repetitions there. Mm. And as I said, that intensity seems to be what's most important. So I'll often, the way I often coach it is going until you feel you have one or two repetitions left in the tank. So doing your push-ups until you feel you've got, as I say, one or two reps left in the tank, and then obviously breaking it up and, and going again from there. And I guess the, the way then you can progress it is, is, is just getting closer to the ground into a more traditional push-up position, which might be, be done from the floor on your knees and, and then eventually moving into that more kind of full push-up position. From a pulling perspective, it's probably logistically when we're at home, the most difficult one to recreate. And mm. um, a lot of, there's a lot of, you can, if you have something as simple as a TeraBand, which is essentially a piece of, a piece of resistance band that you can tie it around a, a door handle and do things like rows and um, where you're essentially just pulling the band there's yep. a lot of nice equipment that you can buy like they're called trx suspension trainers that you can hang from your door and a lot of there's so much variation and to be honest with you nowadays youtube is such a good resource mm. if you if you throw into google or youtube pull exercises from mm -hmm. home you'll come up with a whole host of various different innovative ways to create a pulling motion without having to have access to machines in a gym or, or, or dumbbells or really anything. Yeah. And this year has been interesting in that people have had to be self-motivated to keep things going and also innovative in the types of equipment that they use. I've got a TRX at home and I'm often swinging off that at the end of the day just to reactivate my upper back as a pulling type exercise based on what you're you're saying there and for no other reason than just to have a bit of a break and to undo all the sitting type of um, activity that I've done for the day. Hey Ryan, physiologically what's happening when we do resistance work? So let's assume that someone is um, getting onto this and they start doing two or three sessions a week. Is it something that they need to keep going with for six weeks and then they expect to get stronger or is there any period of time that you would recommend staying on strength training or resistance training for? Yeah, absolutely. I think from a phys physiological standpoint, I often compare or I often compare resistance exercise or resistance training to an anti-aging cream or like a, I think if we could bottle all of the benefits of resistance exercise and put it into one pill, it would be by far the best selling pill on the planet really. And I guess when we talk about the, the physiological impacts or physiological benefits of, of resistance exercise, I often sum it up when I'm selling resistance exercise for want of a better word to an individual, I often sum it up in five key points. And the first one of those is simply an improvement in, in muscle mass. So as we age or as we develop disease or injury or illness, we often will lose muscle mass as a result. And, and it's a natural thing that happens with aging, known as sarcopenia. So again, a loss of muscle mass. And by doing resistance exercise, we can combat that or reduce the effects of that. The second point then really is improvements in bone mineral density. So again, as we age, a lot of the time, particularly in females, we are more prone to developing things like osteopenia and osteoporosis, 
which is essentially an issue with bone min- with reduced bone mineral density, which can leave you more vulnerable to things like fractures and, and, and issues with your bone. So by incorporating a resistance exercise routine, you can again improve your bone mineral density and it can further strengthen, strengthen your bones for want, of a, for want of a better word or to put it quite simply and reduce the likelihood of you developing things like fractures. The third point then is improvements in flexibility. And now that might be a strange one for a lot of people to get wrapped their head around because I think traditionally we think of flexibility training as stretching or like yoga type practices. But a lot of research, a lot of very interesting research is showing us that when compared with stretching routines, resistance exercise or strength training routines can often produce equal results or if not sometimes can actually produce better results in terms of improvements in joint range of movement and flexibility and mobility. So again, which if you're feeling stiff and sore, of course, can be a source of pain. So it's a really nice reducer of pain in that sense too. And then the fourth point is really weight control. And look, any type of exercise that you do, any type of movement that you do really, whether it's a walk, a run, a weight session, a yoga session, a Pilates session, will be good for burning calories. However, resistance exercise, because of that improvement in muscle mass or muscle percentage, I guess, we, our bodies can become more efficient at burning calories. And therefore, in terms of weight management and weight control, it seems to be quite an effective form of training. Uh, and finally, then, I guess the, the final point I'll often use is, is the improvements in balance. And as we know, as when we get older, things like falls, so in the elderly in particular, things like falls are a real problem and, and can lead to serious injury and serious issues. And, and a lot of people presenting to accident and emergency with um, things like fractures and, and head injuries. Improvements in balance are really important and a really nice benefit that we can get from resistance exercise and, and can ultimately reduce the risk of fall. So I guess overall, I, I think... I'm selling <laughs> <laughs> Say again, yourselves. No. Overall, it basically makes us more robust human beings. To put it quite simply, we're just. It, it helps to condition us against illness, injury, and yeah. I often, as I say, sum it up as it, it makes us more robust humans. What a summary! There's five five amazing points, um, and yeah, you've sold me. And I do a little bit of resistance work, but I'm going to have to up my up the ante now. I remember I'm having flashbacks as you were talking to doing some geriatric work as a physio in my junior years and it's got me thinking just now I used to run balance classes and hydrotherapy classes for the elderly and standing classes that were all about strength training and what kind of when you go well strength training can be or resistance training can benefit us from if, if it can benefit us when we're 70 it's going to benefit us right now and I think um, you get to my age I'm 30 sadly I'm 37 which isn't that old but I'm definitely my metabolism is certainly slowing on me now. It sounds like this is really the, the gold that I need in my life. Ryan, with, say, HIIT training, there's a lot of talk about HIIT training. For our listeners, what's that all about just, as a, just on the topic of resistance and I suppose on the topic of metabolism as well? What's HIIT training all about? Yeah, HIIT training or high-intensity interval type training is, is slightly different in that it's more geared around keeping your heart rate quite high. So I think HIIT training has gained or grown a lot in popularity 
in recent years, probably because we're becoming, we're leading a lot more busy lifestyles. And I guess the whole USP with HIIT training is that you get in, you get it done, and yeah. it's over for the day. And there are a lot of really good physiological benefits from HIIT training too, with a really high, training with a really high heart rate and keeping our work periods longer than our rest periods um, has been shown to have a really positive effect on our metabolism as well. And, and again, like I said, there, for busy working professionals who don't have a lot of time on their hands, getting in and doing a 30-minute hit session, there's a lot to be said for it. And I think it's a really nice look. With any, I think with any exercise routine in general, it's good to have balance and it's good to mix it up. Even though I know we're talking a lot about resistance exercise in this episode, having a balance between some hit training, some mm. resistance exercise, some flexibility training like yoga or anything like that. And then just some steady state cardio, like getting out for a walk is, is really key to a really sustainable and, and life, sustainable change or sustainable lifestyle change or creating a good habit. That's really good. Thanks, Ryan. And in terms of exercise in general, for some people, whether they're at the start of their movement, where they're maybe they might call themselves a couch potato, or if they're an athlete, or if they're elderly, what would be to keep people motivated? Is there any advice on things like how to make a habit stick, especially exercise, which I think for some people, as we get into the winter months, we ease off a little bit on our physical activity. Is there any advice that you have for people to make things stick for exercise? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something that pops up more or less every day in, in clinic and when we're dealing with people at the end of the day and everyone is different and everyone will respond to different forms of motivation or different forms of of um, advice and that I guess is that one of the most tricky parts of our job is trying to figure out what someone will respond best to but I guess if you're a complete novice exerciser and if you're a complete if you're a complete beginner and um, what I tend to do is is start really small and I can't emphasize that enough that a zero to hero mentality you might be really good for a week but generally speaking and from my experience it never lasts and if you might have an end goal of exercising x number of times a week realistically it's going to take especially if you're starting from more or less zero it's going to take a while to get there so really bite-sized little mini goals almost even though i'm talking about things like the american college of sports medicine guidelines being resistance training twice or three times a week for some people who've done zero exercise before that is completely daunting and that is completely unrealistic and if we're talking about physio being as i say a facilitator of well-being by means of physical activity promotion if we really want to make that change we need to make these things doable for people and make it realistic so what i'll often say for as i say those complete beginners is aim to do something once a week whether it's getting out for a walk whether it's doing a resistance exercise session at home whether it's doing a yoga session, something more than you're currently doing is a really nice place to start. And then from there, basically building on that and, and, and adding whether it's another session, whether it's adding, keeping that session for a while and making it a little bit longer, as long as it's progression and it's moving more towards those 
ACSM guidelines of X number of sessions per week, we know at least we're moving in the right direction. And I think a lot of people will become disheartened when they have setbacks or if they have a week where they might have had a big weekend, COVID restrictions were lifted, so they went out on the beer all weekend <laughs> with their friends. And it's these little setbacks are inevitable in, in every aspect of your life and, and not just with your exercise. So I think recognizing that they're normal and not to become too disheartened with those and, and just to jump back on the horse next week and, and get going again um, is really important. So yeah, I'd say start small and yeah, don't jump, don't go from zero to hero would be my real, my two real main pieces of advice, I would say. Fantastic, mate. And I think in my experience of goal setting with some clients as well, sometimes it's as simple as ensuring that if they have set a small goal is they'll actually celebrate what they've achieved in some way. So even if it's a bit of self-talk to say, well done, Sue, you've, you've nailed the, the exercises this week. If they can say that to themselves, that actually creates a bit of a positive reinforcement loop, probably at a neurological level as well, a bit of well done, to then keep going. And probably the other one that comes to mind with that is buddying up with someone. If you can share your, share your activity goal, or I think in the elderly population as well, sometimes it it's, can get a bit lonely. So often if it's a small it's like an activity like a walk. It might just be trying to do a walk with the neighbour perhaps as well just to get more. It increases accountability, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think that's, um, that's a really good point on training in groups or training with a, with a training partner is, is a really nice way to keep you accountable to your training buddy, as you say. And just, I guess, increase the, the likelihood of us staying consistent as possible because at the end of the day, you're not going to feel motivated every single day you go to train. There are going to be days that you don't want to do your walk. As you say, if the weather is pretty poor or for whatever reason, you're not going to be motivated every day. And again, recognizing that's quite normal. And having that training buddy there, like you said, is, is a really nice way to keep you accountable to someone. Yeah, I suppose what we're really talking about here is this is a lifelong practice in some ways. So create if we can create some small habits and keep them consistent and build on them, then it's really looking at a lifelong commitment to building a resilient body, which will hopefully um, translate into a more well-rounded, I suppose, feeling of well-being mentally as well. There's so many benefits to it. And, and I mentioned all the comorbidities that this that activity can actually help with it's quite amazing really hey ryan last one for you mate now your time during COVID has been an interesting one as a physiotherapist with the clinics being closed etc and obviously we do a lot of work with workplaces as well how's your experience been as a physio during COVID, and what have you seen work well and maybe some lessons from what's happened in your space yeah, absolutely. It's certainly been a uh, quite an interesting last six months since March. Was it really that our first lock? We went into our mm. first lockdown. I think, like every industry, physiotherapy made the shift towards virtual consultations or online consultations quite early on. And I think back in March, there was a certain reluctance or a certain level of, I suppose everyone was a little bit uncertain with everything what was going on and there was a bit of a novelty about being home we didn't really know how long it was going to last we were told we were quoted two weeks to flatten the curve four weeks to flatten the curve and 
we just it was all a bit uncertain and, and people were unaware of how long this lockdown period would go on for and how long we would be away from the workplace or away from the office so I think there was a certain reluctance to jump on board with things like online physiotherapy consultations however as the months have gone on and as the as certainly here in Melbourne as we moved into our second lockdown I feel individuals started to realize a little bit more that this is very much the new normal now and it's probably something that's here to stay and I talk I've talked a lot in the over the last couple of months with colleagues and friends about obviously the various different challenges that COVID-19 has presented professionally but also has also presented quite a few opportunities and I suppose we spoke earlier in this episode about the say manual therapy being the icing on the cake or the, the sprinkles on top of the icing, whereas the main event is more in a physiotherapy sense or in a physiotherapy consultation is more like our advice, our education and our ability to prescribe exercise or to facilitate that lifestyle change by means of physical activity promotion. And I think the online platform, the online physiotherapy has provided a platform for us to, to do that and spend more time doing that because obviously our hands have been taken away. We can no longer do things like push or poke and prod or put a needle in something. We have to rely a little bit more on our soft skills, our communication skills, our, our exercise prescription skills, which has been really quite empowering. Has been has been really good and really encouraging and has forced a lot of us to develop further skills in this area too and I think from a patient perspective it's also been quite beneficial and people are starting to realize that as I say physio is more well-rounded than just poking prodding and, and as I say manual techniques but the the online physiotherapy consultations have been really beneficial in the sense that we can actually, as physios, it allows us to prescribe a more concise and, and meaningful program because more often than not, we actually see the inside of our patient's home where they're doing their physiotherapy consultation from. And they also have the ability to do things like record our sessions so they can look back on whatever advice or we had been talking about within the session. So that's been a really nice, I think, change in the last couple of months since, since, uh, since COVID's come in. I guess also on again in this in the last couple of months as you well know tom we've been doing it delivering a lot of virtual classes or virtual exercise sessions for larger corporates and i think that's also been a really great opportunity for us to facilitate these lifestyle changes or promote physical activity or promote exercise on a broader scale or on a bigger scale one thing that i've spoken about at length with you know, colleagues and, and you guys is that I think having exercise, group exercise sessions on Zoom, where let's say there might be 60 participants in a class. First of all, there's not many facilities that you would fit 60 people in face to face. So you're first off the bat, you're able to reach more people there in that sense. And then we're probably, and I don't really have of course, I don't really have statistics on this, but I've got some one-to-one or anecdotal examples of individuals who have told me that they've attended, let's say, one of my classes and they've had their camera off. And 
this might be an individual who in normal circumstances would never have dreamt of going to an exercise studio to do a Pilates session or a HIIT session for whether it was fear of embarrassment or for whatever reason, they wouldn't feel comfortable in a face-to-face setting. But platforms like Zoom or Skype with the function to, to turn your camera off has allowed them to attend these sessions without that barrier, without that fear of being, being embarrassed or, or, or being looked at. And they can trial a session, give it a shot, see how they feel. And then that might just be the little spark with someone that triggers something to, to get them a little bit more active. And, and if our role as healthcare professionals or if our role as physios is to promote well-being or to promote physical activity on a broad scale or on a big scale, I feel like this is, is one area or one, one area that's presented itself in the last, since lockdown that's a real opportunity. And I think something that's only gonna get bigger and that's only gonna grow and for the benefit of, of a huge majority of people. Yeah, that's great, Rain. And you're sort of talking there about the effectively telehealth and being able to scale your influence through workplaces and classes and using exercise as the, the treatment, which as we know, and as you've talked a lot about in today's episode, it's the stuff that works it's um, not the icing on the cake. The icing on the cake is the manual therapy and really where all the action and all the evidence is for exercise. And in what we've talked about today, it's resistance training is your five reasons for why we should do it. I think anybody that listens to this today will be straight into pushing, pulling, carrying, squatting and hinging, mate. I think I got them all then. You did indeed. Good on you. Good. Go for Go me. Hey, Ryan, last, lastly, yeah, you've been a fantastic guest and you've got a lot of knowledge that I think it really, we should really get you back on to talk about another topic. And I think that probably the best approach might be to ask our, our listeners what they want to hear from you because you've just got so much knowledge to share on, in particular on physical activity. And you've got a lot of your own personal brand and you've got a platform or a, sorry, some channels on Instagram LinkedIn, and I believe YouTube as well. Do you want to tell us if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, Tom. I think my I'm probably across every social media platform at this point, but yeah, I probably, the one I use the most is probably Instagram and I at the fit physio. So the underscore fit with a PH underscore physio. But yeah, so if anyone has any questions relating to health, fitness, injury, well-being, I would certainly be more than happy to assist and, and help in any way I can. Thanks so much, Rain. Have a good day, mate. Thanks for having me, Tom. I really enjoyed my discussion today with Rain. There were some great takeaways, especially the five key benefits of resistance training and also the five key elements of any resistance training program, the pushing, pulling, etc. In fact, it's the sort of stuff that will make you want to get into the gym right now or get into more exercise right now. A big thank you to Rian and please get in touch with him and follow him on his social media and his other platforms. And if you've also enjoyed today's episode, I'd love if you could leave a review on Apple or wherever else you might be listening to this. Stay tuned for more amazing guests over the rest of this season one. Take care.